Thank you for listening to our Bellwether Palm Sunday podcast. In today's message, we ask the question, is Jesus your solution or is he your savior? And this upcoming week, we invite you to our Easter services, our Monday Thursday communion service at 6 o'clock, our Good Friday service at noon, and then we celebrate Easter morning with our resurrection service that he is risen. We hope you have a blessed Easter. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, today there be some hearts here that would be healed. Pray today that there'd be some eyes opened up to see things that uh, we normally wouldn't see by the hand, by the power of your Spirit. I pray that we would all know the love that you have for us in sending your Son to die for us. And then as our hearts are healed, our hearts would be broken as our eyes are opened up to this world in need, to other hearts that need healing, to people in our neighborhoods who need Christ, to see Him as Savior and not simply a solution to the ill or the problem of the day. And I pray we would be uh, your agents, your ambassadors, citizens of heaven, and walk as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. I pray that would happen today. I believe that will happen today. All because of your Spirit at work. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And if you would, uh, take a Bible, take your Bible, uh, take a Bible at your seat, take home a Bible. And uh, Miss Jill was reading from Matthew chapter 27. That's where we're going to stay, but I'll refer to some other verses. We are in this series called Last Night, where we are looking at scenes in the last night of Jesus' life. And actually, this is the last sermon in this series because it's beginning to be morning, uh, early morning, and closer to the cross. So, starting this week, as I mentioned, we'll have a Last Supper Thursday service, Good Friday service, Resurrection service. But there's one more scene that we want to look at, and my intention, my goal, is to connect to two things. One, to connect this passage to other scripture, and then also to connect it to your life today. Today. So I hope that I can do that. Uh, But as I do that, as I start, and I'll end with this question too, it's really a simple question, but the most profound question For our lives. I mean for all of our lives. And that is Jesus. Is Jesus your solution? Or our solution? Or is he your savior? Because I believe many people in the world. And probably some folks in this church. We see Jesus as a solution. You know we have a problem. We we hurt in some way. And we look to Jesus as a solution. Some examples would be. Man you know my career is just not going down the way I wanted it to. So maybe if I get right with Jesus, you know, then, then some changes will happen and I will start, uh, I'll begin, you know, getting some, I don't know, promotions or the new job or the job or the career I always wanted. Maybe things will just start working out. Or marriage is not going good. Marriage may not even be happening at all. Hey, if I can just get Jesus and get right with Him, 
then my marriage will, will pick up or it'll heal or it'll be restored. Or my family, my kids, you know, something's, something's wrong, something's jacked up there. If I, if I get Jesus, he's the solution. So I need to start coming to church. I need to start getting active in church. Life going down the drain, uh, depression, anxiety, doubt, you know, relationships broken. So we go to Jesus. He is the solution. That's, many folks look at Jesus like that. Many folks look at church like that. I mean, literally, like, he's in the medicine cabinet, and we open it up, and out of all the options, well, here, here's, here's the big one, so I'll, I'll take him today and then put him back when I don't need him anymore. And we can see him as a solution instead of being a savior. As I said to the kids, and as we remember this day, as he was going into Jerusalem, that first Palm Sunday, the Palm Sunday, uh, those people standing and waving palm tree, palm branches, and proclaiming him as Hosanna, they thought he was the solution to their problems. Matthew 21, verse 8. Actually, verse 9, it says, The crowds that went before him that followed were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And in this passage, the crowds shout, crucify him. So in five days' time, he goes from Hosanna to crucify him. You know, beware the lure of the crowd, I think is a, uh, some common phrase. But see, they saw him as the solution because they were under oppression by the Romans. I was watching this uh, part of this great movie last night. I mean, I'm a movie buff. If you like old movies, if that's your thing, I'd encourage you to watch Ben-Hur this week. Uh, wonderful movie, but it goes into detail about the Jewish people and the oppression that the Romans were uh, putting down on them, beating them. They were facing. And so that, as Jesus was coming in, yeah, they thought he was king. They thought he was Hosanna. They thought he was the Messiah. But that he was going to save them from the Romans and that he was the solution for the oppression and for the life that they were leading. And they didn't see him as the Savior. He is king. He is Hosanna. But it's of the heart. It's of the soul. His kingdom, he was clear. We talked about last week. He said, my kingdom is not of this world, but it is king, king of all the universe, all eternity. So is he your solution or is he your savior? And what happens is we don't see him as savior. You're like, well, what do you mean savior? I mean, save, rescue, we all sing about this. It means that God loves you. I mean, God loves you. He created you. We are fallen. We are sinful. We have sin. As we said with the kids, as Jack said, sin is your heart going me, 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 me. It's not just breaking the Ten Commandments. It's the sin that is in us. Jesus substituted himself, stepped in our place to die the death that we deserve and to live the life that we could never live. And then what we could do is trust him and believe him and rest in him. And know our salvation as saving us from sin, from Satan, from death. But what happens is we go on this curved route. We're like, oh yeah, I got that. But I know I got it. You know, I, I had that time in Sunday school or when I was around this age. So, so now, I, you know, I really need Jesus when, you know, life is bad or when life has gone wrong. And we just look at him as a solution instead of our Savior. Because if you look at him as Savior, I mean, it changes the way you look at your, your work, 
your marriage, your family, your relationships, your walk, your social life. It changes everything. You see the world in a totally different light. I'm not saying we can get there today. I believe that we could. We can. Maybe in somebody. Because I know the Holy Spirit works. But it, it really... I mean, honestly, the more... I, and I've said this to some, the more I preach and teach, the more I study God's Word, I mean, it changes the way you look at the world. It changes the way you look at your life. And I want to try to show y'all today in this passage four types of people in the passage that Jill read in Matthew 27. And these folks do not know Him as Savior. And they can be very much like us today. And maybe you're like, man, I'm tracking on all four. Maybe you're like one of the four. But these folks do not see Jesus as Savior. They may not even see him as solution, but I hope in seeing these that you can say, man, that, that's, that's me. And you'll begin to see him more and more truly. I mean, getting past here, it's Palm Sunday, truly, fully as your Savior. Okay, first person, first type would be the discerning. And this is, interestingly enough, Pilate's wife. For all of us guys or dudes, it is the female who is discerning here. Not only is it the female, it is the wife. Uh, y'all tracking with me, men? I know my wife is tracking with me. She is discerning. And I know a lot of discerning wives that are here. And I know a lot of discerning females. Discernment is a gift. And I've seen it in many females. And Pilate's wife has it here. She is discerning. And she tells Pilate, I have nothing to do with that righteous man. That's righteous. You're like, okay, so it's very key that she said righteous. Now, what, what she was saying there, you think you read over like, yeah, don't, don't have anything to do with him. She was saying like, do not treat him badly because then something bad's going to happen to you. And righteous in this word, this Greek, I mean, it, it's actually meaning a religious right living. And what's interesting about that is that she was Roman too, and Romans weren't known to be religious. So something had connected with her where someone who is like atheist, okay? It's like this is, this is a religious person. This is a holy person. Something was drawing her to Jesus. And she said, don't, don't treat him badly. Okay? She was giving him wise advice. Something was drawing the wife, Pilate's wife, to Jesus. Now, you're like, well, how does that, how does that relate to my life today? Well, first off, Jesus said, John 12, John 12, 32, he says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, meaning when I go to the cross, lifted up, will draw all people to myself. You see, what's happening right here, what I believe happens in churches all over the world, uh, what will happen next Sunday, but also what's happening during the week is that the Holy Spirit is working and active. He's working and active in Christians' lives, as in y'all. He's also working, I believe, in atheist lives, agnostic lives, drawing people to Jesus. There is a power. It is super, supernatural. It's not of this earth. Uh, it happens in your heart. It happens all over the world to draw people to Jesus. Now, some will say, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to reject that. I'm going to you know, just not make sense of that. I'm not going to go to Jesus. I'm not going to go to church. But the Spirit of God is working throughout the world. And he is particularly working in his house, the church. And so the Holy Spirit's working on your heart today, drawing you to Jesus. Do you discern it? Some of you do more so than others. 
Some of you discern the Spirit's hand and movement. I mean, it's what we just sang about, Hosanna. One of my favorite songs is, help me see things that I don't see. It's discerning. The other thing that this verse says is that God speaks. It's what, you're like, how is God working all over the world? Well, here was the darkest time in history. The Son of God, God, uh, had been uh, rejected, betrayed, denied by Peter. All his followers left. The high priest and the Sanhedrin were wanting to uh, crucify him. Uh, Pilate was, you know, about to send him to the cross. I mean, there was nobody around, and God was still speaking. God said, my voice will still be known. Through a non-Christian. Through an atheist. God said, I will still make it. So I don't know where you are, all of you, in your wall, but God's speaking to you. He's saying Jesus is not the solution. He is Savior. He draws us to Him. And my, my humble, prayerful advice is, is listen and run to Jesus. Thankfully, you are here. But, like, get closer to Him. We sang another uh, song. It's like when you know you're rescued, you want to be where He is. Go to Jesus. Go to Him. Discern it. The second type person would be the coward. And that would be Pilate. Now we focused a lot on Pilate last Sunday. But I want to talk a little bit about him today because he was, uh, he was a coward. And the way he was a coward is all, a lot of times ways that, that we, I include myself in this, can be, can be a coward. Because he says, you know, okay, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm going to wash my hands of, of this situation. Uh, common uh, way of speaking, the way we say, I'm done. You know, I'm done with this deal. Uh, because I don't, I don't want to be involved in it. Uh, obviously, it's getting messy because the high priest wanted dead. My wife is, is saying this. Uh, the crowds are chanting him to be dead. Uh, you know, he's a politician, so he's trying to please you know, as many folks as he can. So I'm done. I'm done. Don't blame me. My hands are clean to this mess. He's a coward. Is he a coward? You're like, how is he a coward? Because he thinks he is good. He thinks he's okay. And this is the type that doesn't see the sin uh, in their own life. Uh, I said, I put me in this category. One of the hardest things, uh, one of the hardest things to preach about is the reality of our sin, our sinful human condition. Uh, you know, it's easy to grow up thinking like, well, I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments. I mean, I haven't done any, like, big sins, and I'm really trying to, good, to live a good life and be a good husband and be a good dad, and i got a good job, and, you know, I'm, I'm, like, trying to, you know, do everything, you know, the best that I can. Sin, like, and yeah, yeah, we're all sinful. It says this in Scripture. Romans. Romans chapter 3, 10 and 11. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. These verses were not just written to the church in Rome, they were written to like us. Sin is our hearts, and this is what happens. All our hearts cry out, me, 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 me. Sin is what happened in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve wanting to be their own God. It's what happened when the, the people tried to build the Tower of Babel and be God. It's what happens now, probably what happened this morning to Many of us, if not all of us. And we don't want to face that. The way we, I too, can be cowards. We don't want to face our sin. We either want to blame or we're going to wash our hands. I'm good, we say. I'm good. 
I don't need God, don't really need Jesus, don't really need to go to church, or Bible. I'm good, I'm good, I'm really, I'm really good, preacher. And we don't want to face our sin. Pilate didn't want to. So if we don't want to face our sin, we, we really don't think we need to be saved. Therefore, the only reason we need Jesus is when like things are going down in our life or something bad's happening. Okay. Next type. There is the discerning, there's the coward, and then there is the disappointed. This would be the crowd. Talked about them a little earlier. But the crowd is very disappointed in Jesus because five days earlier, as we said, they were shouting Hosanna. They were waving palm branches, which literally meant victory. We are going to have victory. We're going to have victory over the Romans. This is the beginning of freedom. This is the beginning of the kingdom. This is the beginning again of the Davidic reign that David as Jesus was in the line of day, would come back, restore his kingdom. Jerusalem would be the center of the world. They would really replace... This is what people thought. Power, glory, all of that good stuff. And little do they realize, Jesus came in on a, a donkey. Not, you know, big nice horse or chariot. They probably missed that. As a humble servant. And then... The high priest, the priests, you know, were tricking him, saying, you know, he's a fraud, he's a crook, he's a liar. And so they shout, crucify him. They even shout, let his blood be on our hands. We'll take the blame. Pilate, don't, you can watch it. We'll take the blame. Our children will take the blame. And they're so disappointed. They're like, kill him. Kill him. He will not masquerade as our Messiah, as our King. We want him dead. That's what they were saying. They were disappointed. Are any of y'all disappointed in Jesus? Sunday school answer would be no. Look in your heart. Are you disappointed in Jesus? Are you disappointed in church? Are you disappointed in this church? What are your expectations? What are your motivations in going to Jesus? Again, if he is your solution, at some point we will be disappointed. What are your expectations, Jesus? What are your motivations? You're like, yeah, I mean, I thought Jesus, I thought, you know, getting Jesus baptized, all that, you know, would lead to a better life. Chris always encourages me. I love you, bro. He always said, you know, that sermon series you preached way back, first year in courthouse, it was a sermon that life of Jesus is better. Real simple. I was like, well, you need to do that again. I was like, man, it's hard for me to do that again. And I, and I might, because it is true, but I was like, you know, I don't want people to think that life of Jesus, you know, then like, you know, it doesn't necessarily make you rich. It doesn't necessarily get you the good job or the good career. It doesn't necessarily immediately restore the marriage. I mean, you, you know, I'm, I've known people who, they get saved and get baptized. The next two years are like the worst years of their life. But their life is still better. Chris is right. Chris is right. Life with Jesus is definitely better when you see him as Savior. When you see him, yes, there will be tribulations, he said. Yes, there will even be persecutions. But cling to Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. So how do you see Jesus? Are you disappointed in him? Another passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it says, as Savior. Saved, it is the power of God. Because it's folly when you know, either you want, uh, you know, either prestige or wealth or status or all that, and the cross does not promise that, 
then it can be looked at as folly. But for those that are being saved, those that see their sin, those that have felt the reality of death, it is, it is life. It's a new life. It's a new way of seeing. And it does affect your work, your family, your children. And your life is better. But it starts in the heart. And you know you can go through all things through Christ who strengthens us. And you're encouraged by a body, a community, the unity of a church, what we have here. And you go forth and you want to change people's hearts and lives through your work as a businessman, as a politician, as a doctor, as an attorney, as an artist, as a musician. And by the power of God, you do. Maybe small steps, maybe big steps, but you do. I don't want anybody to be disappointed. It's a trick of that liar, that deceiver called the devil that gets us disappointed. So the crowd was disappointed. And then last, the other type is the saved. Barabbas. The saved. What's interesting, right before Jesus goes to the cross, is that a person, a man, was, was literally saved, was literally rescued, was literally released. That Jesus literally substituted himself for another man. Now, nothing in Scripture is like random. Uh, nothing just happens. So when I say, like theological terms, Jesus substituted himself for where we should have been, where we should have gone, where we should, the death we should have died. And then we have... A man, Barabbas, who was released, it shows, I hope it shows us, the bigger picture of what's going on. It's like, we're Barabbas. We should have been going, Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm going to save them. I mean, look at the scripture verse. It says, verse 15, released for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. Verse 26, this is in Matthew 27, then he released for them, Barabbas. The prisoner was released. You know, how does that connect to us? Look what Jesus said in Luke 4. This is as he was beginning his ministry. He preached, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, Jesus, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Literally, to release us. Release us from what? Well, we, if we don't know Jesus, we don't, if we don't uh, consider ourselves saved, we are in bondage. Now, again, not popular to preach about. It's really not often preached at all. In bondage to sin. In bondage to our hearts saying, me, 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 me. And Jesus says, I came to release the captives, us, imprisoned by sin. To release them, to set them free. And that was what's going on. Barabbas has been saved right here. We are saved by Jesus. And then the last, uh, actually, last part of that verse, verse 26, says, He released Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. I highlight that verse scourge because, and it's not trying to get graphic or anything, but only people who were going to die were scourged. It was like, we, should, we don't even have to worry about their body. I mean, they're going to die any, anyway. And they were scourged brutally. But this connects to Old Testament Scripture of our being saved, of our salvation. Isaiah 53, 5. It says, He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, some translations, with his stripes, we are healed. Prisoners are released. Jesus took it on. Jesus took on everything. He is our Savior. And when you know him as Savior, and not just the solution for this ill, this hurt, or this situation, but as Savior, then it gives you the power to address any ill or any hurt or any situation and walk through that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the community and unity of a church family, and the knowledge that all things do work together for good and God's glory. Because of Jesus, because He saved us. We are, you know, what we're celebrating, why we throw a party next Sunday is like, we are on the winning team. And I know a lot of you have things that have either happened in your life and you bear resentment or burdens or things are going down right now. I mean, we win. Jesus won for us. We are victorious. But it's a different type of victory. He will heal. He will restore. He will transform. But sometimes there's going to be tribulations. and things. So we need one another. We need the church and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, just in closing, you know, so what do you do? So, some of you will be like, okay, I got it. He's Savior. Some of you are like, okay, I'm kind of tracking with, what do you, what do, you do? You've got some opportunities. The first one is, and, and this is for Bellwether, like the church. We want you to be part of this church. I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, really. Like, I know y'all are here. Man, thank you. But, like, we want to help you grow. And we want to grow together. We want to be saved people who are walking and growing together to help others see that Jesus is Savior and draw them to Him so we can be you know, in the mission of changing this world for Christ. And that totally does not mean that everybody's called to be pastor or missionary. We need the businessmen. We need the people working in politics. We need the doctors. We need the artists. But we want them saved. Saved and seeing Jesus as Savior. So, man, I ask you, I mean, I invite you, be part of this church. Let's grow together. Be involved. Come. It's not just coming and say, yeah, I need Jesus this week, so I'll come. All right, you know, I'm, things are pretty good now. I mean, I'm, I'm cool. Man, be part. We need one another. We need the church. Second, you have an opportunity this week, I mean, like this very week, to experience what Jesus did, what he went through, to experience salvation to experience life in Christ. And we invite you to come. I mean, the Holy Spirit is here. He is working. And, and your heart may really block Him out. I mean, you may be thinking about lunch. You may be thinking about a baseball tournament. You may be thinking about, what am I going to do today? You may be thinking about the Masters. I'm even kind of thinking about the Masters, okay? But Jesus is working here by the Holy Spirit. And He's going to be working Thursday night. He's going to be working Friday. And I know He's going to be working on Sunday. Participate in the life of the body, in the life of the church, in the life of the Spirit, in the life of what He's doing. Participate. Be open to maybe God melting your heart. Or be open to maybe God convicting you of sin to repent. But then last thing, and I don't always throw this out, but I am today. And some of you may be like, I'm glad you don't throw it out. Some of you may be like, man, go ahead. I wish it happened every week. You might not make it to Thursday night. I mean, like, I'm serious. We, you know, all we have, the common denominator, is time. And that we don't know how much time we have. So you got an opportunity today. 
got an opportunity today. He's like, yeah, I've been, I've been tracking with him on solution stuff. You got an opportunity to track him as Savior. That has saved your life. Redeemed your life. And be made whole with God. Because we don't know how much time we have left. And that's not a fear. T- that's, that's a reality deal. That's why we come to church each Sunday. To gather. To be united. To take communion together. To repent. To be to get right with God. So I invite you today, make him your savior. Be right with God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for uh, this week, what it means. Thank you for this church, what it means. I I do pray. I pray you convict people. uh, Convict us of our sin. Convict us of seeing Jesus as the solution. And regardless of the trials, and we've all got them, we do. You heal, you transform, you built your church to be together, to grow together, to bring healing. And sometimes that takes time. But we're here, and more importantly, you're here. So I pray that we would see things that are unseen and begin to have hearts that are not only healed, but broken for the things that break yours be changed and change this world. Thank you that you're here today. I pray, I mean, I, I, know, I know the distractions from, from master's tournaments to high school graduations to uh, boyfriends to girlfriends to husbands to wives to kids that may not be living. We got it. Reveal yourself to us. Heal our hearts. Let us trust in your Holy Spirit and also trust in one another in this church. And in the power of God, living for Christ. In his name, amen.